0: The words of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, when he was recounting his commission as a prophet, he saw the heavenly vision, the throne was empty, the glory of God filled the temple, and God was sending him forth to bear his message to his people. Not unlike what God has done with us today, for sure. And what a great privilege it is to bear on our tongues the message That has come from the Lord. Thank you for being here this morning. We have a great number of folks who are worshiping with us also by Zoom this morning. Uh, In fact, we have almost as many devices on Zoom uh, this morning as we had on Wednesday night. We have uh, quite a gathering with us here this morning as well, and we welcome all of you uh, to be part of this. For those who are worshiping with us by Zoom who are in other places, in other states, uh, in other countries. I I would just remind you uh, that our service is made available on Zoom on this same link every Sunday morning. And so uh, we don't send out an email every Sunday about uh, the Zoom service, but every Sunday morning at nine o'clock, this service is made available by Zoom. And uh, we certainly, Uh, welcome you to join us uh, for our worship and for this period of Bible study. We're in Acts the sixth chapter this morning, and so if you have your New Testament, I'm going to ask you to turn there. In just a moment, we will be reading I'm going to use the pulpit mic this morning. I will try to stay here. It's difficult for me. In Acts, the sixth chapter, uh, the text begins with some some very encouraging things. The numbers of the disciples were increasing. I, I want you to look at something with me. Hold your finger right there in Acts chapter 6. Go back to Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 41. After Peter has preached on the day of Pentecost there in Jerusalem, the text says, So as many as received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Talk about church growth there was a good day 3000 souls added to the body of Christ that's that day but that's not all verse 44 goes on to say all who believed were together they had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings why and distributing the proceeds to all as many as had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with, the, uh, with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. Are you noting this in your text? We started out with 3,000. Now the Lord is adding to their number day by day by day. Look over in chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Peter and John have gone to the temple, and uh, they are speaking there. They healed the lame man. Uh, The text says that uh, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees, came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people, and they arrested them. They put them in prison, but I'm calling your attention to verse number four but many of those who have heard the word, who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000 now he doesn't say there were 5,000 Christians he said there were 5,000 just among the men who are Christians we don't know how many others we have thousands of people in Jerusalem who have become Christians. I'm in chapter 4 now. I'm looking at verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. No one said that the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lander houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. You see that? Now I'm in chapter 5, after Ananias and Sapphira have uh, both uh, committed their sin. They have both died. They have been buried. Now the text tells us in chapter 5 and verse 14, and now more than ever believers were added to the Lord. Do you see that? Note that in your text. Every step along the way, the Holy Spirit is telling us, and now there are more, and now there are more, and now there are more. So that when we get to chapter 6 in verse 1, what do we read? Now, in these days, When the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the disciples are increasing in number as we get to this text in chapter 6. Now, I want you to note something here because that concept is important. How do you know that? I know that, number one, because the Holy Spirit keeps telling us that over and over again. It's like, did you get it? I'm going to tell you again. Are you paying attention? They're still growing. There's still more. Day by day, the numbers are increasing. The disciples are multiplying. Do you see that in chapter 6 and verse 1? Note that. Now, you have that becomes a literary marker for us in this text because you have two bookends here. In chapter 6 and verse 1, your literary marker is the disciples were increasing in number. Note that in your, in your verse. The disciples were increasing in number. Now, when you get to the end of this section, you have the other literary marker. So everything that is in between has something to do with this. Look in verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. You see that? Mark that. So you have these two literary markers within a few verses of each other. They're both telling you that there is a connection here between the Word of God and the disciples that are multiplying greatly. The church is growing. Now, with that context that the church is growing, the Holy Spirit wants to tell us something. What we have in Acts chapter 6 really is the record of the second threat to the unity of the church in Jerusalem. The first threat was in Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira, they've corrupted the giving. This is a threat to the unity of the church. Somebody says, well, Peter and John were arrested in Acts chapters 3 and 4. That was a threat to the church. I'm not talking about a threat to the church. I'm talking about a threat to the unity of the church, to the unity of the church. Ananias and Sapphira were playing the role of hypocrites among the Christians. It was a threat to the unity of The church. They had corrupted their giving. The giving is directly related to the unity. Why? Because people are selling lands and possessions and bringing the money and giving it so that distribution can be made among them to the poor who are needing it right now. That was the first thing. The second threat shows up in Acts chapter six. The second threat to the unity of these believers, there are thousands of them. Their unity is being threatened now, and this time it is a threat to, the, to divide the Hellenists from the Orthodox. What does that mean? The Hellenists were the Greek-speaking Jews. They would have been like Mark's people. The, the Hebrews were the Orthodox. Jews and they would have been speaking the Hebrew, the Aramaic. There was a language barrier here, there was a cultural barrier here. You, you know what happens naturally among people that speak two different languages and that come from two different cultures? You put them all together in one big coliseum, one big auditorium. You put all of these people together. Some of them speak Greek. Some of them are speaking the Aramaic. What happens? All the Greek-speaking people sort of end up over here. All all the Aramaic-speaking people sort of end up over here. Why, Why is that? Did somebody get up and announce, okay, now we want to separate according to the language? No, it's a natural thing. It's a cultural thing. You, you find, you find your, your, your comfort zone. The people who, who talk like you, they think like you, they understand like you, they do things like you. One of the great joys and experiences of marriage is that you find out other families don't do things exactly like your family did. And so the adventure begins. In the church, the adventure had begun. There there was, in the church in Jerusalem, there, there was this difference. And, and there were thousands and thousands of people. <clears throat> and so, we see in Acts chapter 6, that Luke is going to begin and end this section by telling us, two things. He's telling us the disciples were increasing in number. The church is growing. And he's telling us, secondly, over and over again, you see in verse 7, that the key is the Word of God. The key is the Word of God. And so in Acts 6, in verse 1, are you reading with me in your text? Dr. Luke has written, Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily ministration or the daily distribution. Now, the question arises, someone says, Well, we don't know if that was really happening or or if they were just claiming that it was happening. Okay. There's nothing here that suggests it's not a real issue. There's nothing in the text to suggest that, no, they got it wrong. They're just a bunch of whiners and complainers. You know how those Greek-speaking people are. Those Hellenists, they're just like that, always complain. There's nothing in the text like that. The text just deals with it. This was the complaint, that their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, interesting things here. There's there's also no indication in the text (laughs) that anybody called a meeting together among the Hebrew speaking people said, hey, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's kind of corner the market on this food distribution thing and let's take care of our people and, you you know, those Hellenists. Uh, They need the diet anyway. Just let it go. And what I'm saying to you is there's no indication that this was a plan to organize, that it was an an actual intentional uh, kind of thing that's going on. It, It was just a reality. The numbers have grown and grown and grown. And and, and now not everybody's speaking the same language. Is that contributing to the problem? I don't know. But there's a problem, and it's threatening the unity of the church. So in Acts chapter 6 and verse 2, Luke says, and the 12, that is the 12 apostles, and the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples, and said, they called all the church together, and they said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, you pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint over this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry. Of the word. So the the apostles now, the 12 apostles are in this church in Jerusalem. And they've got this problem. Do you know why they have the problem? Because they've grown so much. And, And now the apostles are saying to the church, look, first of all, we're going to stay on task. We're not going to lose our focus here. We're not going to confuse our objective here. Secondly, they said we're going to delegate this work, and we're going to let the congregation, the disciples, choose seven men who are going to assume this responsibility. And Paul and and the uh, and the apostles are saying to the group on this occasion. You choose seven, not just any seven men. Give me seven men, seven volunteers. That's not what they said. They said, you think about this and be very careful and deliberate about this. Men of good reputation, that is to say, men who are a known quantity. It's not like, here's somebody I believe he will develop into a really good uh, servant. No, it, We're not talking about bringing somebody to develop him We're talking about somebody who is a known quantity. He already has a reputation among the group, a known quantity. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom. He not only is a baptized believer, But in his life, in his words, in his actions, in his deeds, in his family life, he is showing the ability to make good judgments and applications of the word that fills him. And then he's going to be appointed to the task of distributing the food to the poor widows. Now, we we are reminded of several things, not the least of which the ministry of the word was paramount in in the minds of the apostles. And they said, it's not that this isn't a problem. It's not that this doesn't matter. It's not that it's not important. It was important. It was threatening the unity of the church. It was going to destroy the very thing for which Christ has died. This is a crucial problem. But the apostle said, we can't stop doing what we're doing in order to take care of this. We need help. We need help. But the preaching of the word must go forth. Prayer and preaching. That's what we do, the apostle said. Now, I want you to note something very quickly. Look back in your text, back to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, the text says, in verse 4, that when the Holy Spirit came on the apostles, all of them began, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and all of them began to speak in other tongues. And in verse 7, the text says to us that everyone was hearing them, all the apostles. They were, what were they doing? Speaking. What were they speaking? The words that the Holy Spirit gave to them. Look in verse 14. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. What's he doing? He is preaching the word. Look in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what the apostles were doing. They were revealing the word. They were teaching. They were instructing. They were building them up in the way and the will of the Lord. Look in chapter 4 and in verse number 2. The text says that when the Sadducees came to the temple to arrest Peter and John, they were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people. That's why the numbers were multiplying. That's why so many of the Jews were being converted, because they were being taught. Look in chapter 4 and verse 29. The text says that when Peter and John were released, they come back to the church. They're rejoicing that they're worthy to suffer for the name of the Lord. They're praying together. Here's what they prayed. Verse 29, and now, Lord, look upon their threats to grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Preaching the word. Look in chapter 5 and verse number 20. The text says that when the apostles were arrested and the angel comes and frees them, opening the prison doors, he said to them in verse 20, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and they began to teach. I'm in chapter 5 and verse number 40. And so the Sanhedrin has called the apostles in, and they beat them, and they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, to let them go. And they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, underline this, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. The apostles are saying very clearly, look, we have a problem here. The numbers are growing and growing and growing, and we have needs that are not being met. We cannot stop doing what we are doing because the proclamation of the word is paramount here. It's paramount. But we need help. This is serious. And so they said, choose seven men. Known quantities, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, who are able to serve and address the need that we have. We've got a problem here. It was a good problem. Why was it a good problem? Because it was a problem that was the result of the church growing. I'll tell you what, if they only had like five or six people, it wouldn't have been a problem. Everybody would have known right off the bat who had food, who didn't. It's easy to know if there's only five people. But when there are 5,000 men, 6,000, 7,000, not counting the other women, not counting the widows, this, is a, this creates another issue. It's a good problem. It's still a problem. It needs to be addressed. But it means that something good is happening. Okay, very quickly, number one, when problems arise in a local church, don't assume the worst. Don't assume the worst. In Jerusalem, it meant there was a growth problem. Growth is good. Let's remember that. Let's remember that. We've gotten so big now that the apostles can't can't do everything. That's good because it means that we're growing. Growth is good. Number two, stop the blame game. The the problem is not intentional. Why do you say that? I, I say that because... There is nothing in the text to indicate fault that was directed toward anybody. God did not indict the apostles for not doing their job. God did not indict these new Christians because they didn't care about each other. These people are selling properties to take care of each other. They did care about one another. There is a problem, but the problem has not been intentional. It is the result of growth. They've arrived at the certain point where the the way things have been organized and structured was no longer sufficient to take care of all the needs. Thirdly, talk to the right people. One one of the things we learn in Acts chapter 6 is that when the problem occurred, they came to the apostles with the problem, and the apostles, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, they let God deal with this matter. And they brought the matter to the people who could take care of it. May I just say to you in a local church, when there's a problem, not everybody needs to know every problem. Not everybody's in a position to help. And with all due respect for all of your Facebook friends in all the world, posting your your complaint on Facebook for somebody who is reading it over on another continent, when it pertains to the church in Jerusalem, it really is of little consequence positively. Take it to the folks who need to know. Fourthly, be be part of the solution. And that means that when you have a a, a problem that needs to be addressed in, in the group, Participate enthusiastically, not just in complaining about the problem, but participate enthusiastically in working to resolve the problem and working with those who have the authority, who have the ability to resolve the problem. In this case, it was the 12 apostles. Fifthly, when we have a good problem that is the result of growth, Let's count our blessings. Okay, it's a problem. It needs to be addressed because unmet needs can quickly become serious problems. It needs to be addressed, but let's count our blessings here. Anything that involves people is going to be less than perfect. When we are addressing problems among our own family, Obviously, we want to look for the good. We want to see the good. We, we want to remind each other, isn't it great that we've outgrown our little parking area, that we've outgrown our little building, that we've outgrown our little classroom? That we've out- isn't this a great pro- It is a great problem. It's a problem. It's a great problem. Let's, let's see the blessings here, that good things are happening. The Rolling Hills Church is growing. So many good lessons for us from Acts chapter 6. The Rolling Hills Church has grown. You you think about 10 years ago where this group was. We weren't here. Think about 10 years ago where this group was. And think about the growth and the good problems that we've had to address along the way. Problems, yes. Good problems. I'll tell you what happens as the church continues to grow and disciples begin to multiply. We need servants who can help with daily tasks. I want you to look back at Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the... Do you have your pencil? A big circle here. Their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. I want to tell you something about the ongoing work of disciples. It's not a Sunday, Wednesday night work. Sundays and Wednesday nights and whatever other appointed times for gatherings we might have, that's the gravy on the biscuit, okay? The work of the disciple is a daily work. I'll I'll tell you something about those Grecian widows. They like to eat every day. Can you imagine that? Every day, the distribution. And what I'm saying is, when we are looking for, for men and women who are going to serve God's people, And when we're looking for those who are going to be servants in a local church, we're not looking for someone just who can help us at nine o'clock on Sunday morning and seven o'clock on Wednesday. We're looking for those who can help, who can serve. There are lots and lots of things that have to go on in the organization and operation of a local church and the function of the body that must go on every day, every day. We're talking about daily tasks. Thirdly, The key to church growth is preaching and teaching the Word. In all of the realities that we're addressing and in all of the food distributions and everything else that must be addressed, we're not going to lose sight of our fundamental task that we bear on our lips, the good news that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for the sins of the world. And we're going to take that message the world, and we're not going to lose sight of that as our fundamental task. But growth demands that we share responsibilities, and that means that God in the New Testament did not provide for a superman or for supermen or superwomen in the church, tr- it, wasn't, it wasn't organized like that. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're a body, and one part of the body doesn't say to the other body, a part of the body, hey, I'm better than you, I don't need you, we can do without you. It doesn't work like that. Every part of the body has its place, has, and God has put us in the body just as it pleased him. And what we're looking for in the context of a local church is the opportunity to share responsibilities, good problems to have when the responsibilities increase. But why is that a good problem? Because the responsibilities increase, because the numbers increase, because growth is taking place, because there is more work and opportunity to serve. What a wonderful thing. If you're here this morning and not a Christian, what a wonderful time for you to express your faith in Christ as the Son of God and begin your service to Him. If you've never put on the Lord in baptism, you can do that today. If you're a child of God who needs to come home, you can come right now while we stand and sing. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb?